Section two of the Battle of the Books. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Battle of the Books and Other Short Pieces by Jonathan Swift. Section two, part two. It is wonderful to conceive the tumult arisen among the books upon the close of this long descent of Aesop. Both parties took the hint and heightened their animosities so on a sudden that they resolved it should come to a battle immediately the two main bodies withdrew under their several ensigns to the farther parts of the library and there entered into cabals and consults upon the present emergency the moderns were in very warm debates upon the choice of their leaders and nothing less than the fear impending from their enemies could have kept them from mutinies upon this occasion the difference was greatest among the horse where every private trooper pretended to the chief command from tasso and milton to dryden and wither the light horse were commanded by cowley and despral there came the bowmen under their valiant leaders descartes Gassendi, and hobbs whose strength was such that they could shoot their arrows beyond the atmosphere never to fall down again but turn like that of evander into meteors or like the cannon-ball into stars parasolus brought a squadron of stink-pot flingers from the snowy mountains of rahtia there came a vast body of dragoons of different nations under the leading of harvey their great aga part armed with scythes the weapons of death part with lances and long knives all steeped in poison part shot bullets of a most malignant nature and used white powder which infallibly killed without report there came several bodies of heavy armed foot all mercenaries under the ensigns of guisardini davila polydor virgil buchanan mariana camden and others the engineers were commanded by regiomontanus and wilkins the rest was a confused multitude led by scotus equinus and bellarmine of mighty bulk and stature but without either arms courage or discipline in the last place came infinite swarms of calonies a disorderly rout led by lestrange rogues and ragamuffins that fell the camp for nothing but the plunder all without coats to cover them the army of the ancients was much fewer in number homer led the horse and pinder the light horse euclid was chief engineer plato and aristotle commanded the bowmen herodotus and levy the foot hippocrates the dragoons the alleys led by vosius and temple brought up the rear all things violently tending to a decisive battle fame who much frequented and had a large apartment formerly assigned her in the regal library fled up straight to jupiter to whom she delivered a faithful account of all that passed between the two parties below for among the gods she always tells truth 
jove in great concern convokes a council in the milky way the senate assembled he declares the occasion of convening them a bloody battle just independent between two mighty arms of ancient and modern creatures called books wherein the celestial interest was but too deeply concerned momus the patron of the moderns made an excellent speech in their favour which was answered by pallas the protectress of the ancients the assembly was divided in their affections when jupiter commanded the book of fate to be laid before him immediately were brought in by mercury three large volumes in folio containing memoirs of all things past present and to come the claps were of several double the covers of celestial turkey leather and the papers such as here on earth might pass amongst for vellum jupiter having suddenly read the decree would communicate the import to none but presently shut up the book without the doors of this assembly there attended a vast number of light nimble gods menial servants to jupiter those are his ministering instruments in all affairs below they travel in a caravan more or less together and are fastened to each other like a link of galley slaves by a light chain which passes from them to jupiter's great toe and yet in receiving or delivering a message they may never approach above the lowest step of his throne where he and they whisper to each other either through a large hollow trunk these deities are called by mortal men accidents or events but the gods call them second causes jupiter having delivered his message to a certain number of these divinities they flew immediately down to the pinnacle of the regal library and consulting a few minutes entered unseen and disposed the parties according to their orders meanwhile momus fearing the worst and calling to mind an ancient prophecy which bore no very good phase to his children the moderns bent his flight to the region of a malignant deity called criticism she dwelt on the top of a snowy mountain in nova zembla there momus found her extended in her den upon the spoils of numberless volumes half devoured at her right hand sat ignorance her father and husband blind with age at her left pride her mother dressing her up in the scrapes of paper herself had torn there was opinion her sister light of foot hoodwinked and headstrong yet giddy and perpetually turning about her played her children noise and impudence dullness and vanity positiveness pedantry and ill manners the goddess herself had claws like a cat her head and ears and voice resembled those of an ass her teeth fallen out before her eyes turned inward as if she looked only upon herself her diet was the overflowing of her own gall her spleen was so large as to stand prominent like a dug of the first rate nor wanted excrescence in form of treats at which a crew of ugly monsters were greedily sucking and what is wonderful to conceive the bulk of spleen increased faster than the sucking could diminish it goddess said momus can you sit idly here while our devout worshippers the moderns are this minute entering into a cruel battle and perhaps now lying under the swords of their enemies 
who then hereafter will sacrifice or build altars to our divinities haste therefore to the british isle and if possible prevent their destruction while i make factions among the gods and gain them over to our party momus having thus delivered himself stayed not for an answer but left the goddess to her own resentment up she rose in rage and as it is the form on such occasions being a soliloquy it is i she said who give wisdom to infants and idiots by my children grow wiser than their parents by me biocs become politicians and schoolboys judges of philosophy by me sophisters debate and conclude upon the depths of knowledge and coffee-house wits instinct by me can correct an author's style and display his minutest errors without understanding a syllable of his matter or his language by me striplings spend their judgment as they do their estate before it comes into their hands it is i who have disposed wit and knowledge from their empire over poetry and advanced myself in their steed and shall a few upstart ancients dare to oppose me but come my aged parent and you my children dear and thou my beauty's sister let us ascend my chariot and haste to assist our devout moderns who are now sacrificing to us a hecticon as i perceive by that grateful smell which from thence reaches my nostrils the goddess of her train having mounted the chariot which was drawn by tame geese flew over infinite regions shedding her influence in due places till at length she arrived at her beloved island of britain but in hovering over its metropolis what blessings did she not let fall upon her seminaries of gresham and convent garden and now she reached the fatal plain of st james library at what time the two armies were upon the point to engage where entering with all her caravan unseen and landing upon a case of shelves now as a cert, but once inhabited by a colony of virtuous she stayed a while to observe the posture of both armies but here the tender cares of a mother began to fill her thoughts and move in her breast for at the top of a troop of modern bowmen she cast her eyes upon her son wotton to whom the fates had assigned a very short thread wotton a young hero whom an unknown father of mortal race begot by stolen embraces with this goddess he was the darling of his mother above all her children and resolved to go and comfort him but first according to the good old custom of deities she cast about to change her shape for fears the divinity of her countenance might dazzle his mortal sight and overcharge the rest of senses she therefore gathered up her person into an octavo compass her body grew white and arid and split in pieces with dryness the thick turned into pasteboard and the thin into paper upon which her parents and children artfully strewed a black juice or decoction of gall and suit in form of letters her head and voice and spleen kept their primitive form and that which before was a cover of skin did still continue so in this guise she marched on towards the moderns indistinguishable in shape and dress from the divine bentley wotton's fair dearest friend brave wotton said the goddess 
why do our troops stand idle here to spend their present vigour and opportunity of the day away let us haste to the generals and advise to give the onset immediately having spoke thus she took the ugliest of her monsters full gutled from her spleen and flung it invisibly into his mouth which flying straight up into his head squeezed out his eyeballs gave him a distorted look and half overturned his brain then she privately ordered two of her beloved children dullness and ill manners closely to attend her person in all encounters having thus accorded him she vanished him in a mist and the hero perceived it was the goddess his mother the destined hour of fate being now arrived the flight began whereof before i dare adventure to make a particular description i must after the example of authors petition for a hundred tongues and mouths and hands and pens which would all be too little to perform so immense a work say goddess that president over history who it was that first advanced in the field of battle parasilus at the head of his dragoons observing galen in the adverse wing darted his javelin with a mighty force which the brave ancient received upon his shield the point breaking in the second fold hicpaca descend they bore the wounded echo on their shields to his chariot descend nanulla then aristotle observing bacon advanced with a furious smilion drew his bow to the head and let fly his arrows which missed the valiant modern and went whizzing over his head but discartes it hit the steel point quickly found a defect in the headpiece he pierced the leather and the pasteboard and went in at his right eye the torturer of the pain whirled the valiant bowman round till death like a star of superior influence drew him into his own vortex ingens hiatus hic in emsis. when homer appeared at the head of the cavalry mounted on a furious horse with difficulty managed by the rider himself but which no other mortal durst approach he rode among the enemy's ranks and bore down all before him say goddess whom he slew first and whom he slews last first gundibert advanced against him clad in heavy armour and mounted on a staid sober gilding not so famed for his speed as his docility in kneeling whenever his rider would mount or alight he had made a vow to pallas that he would never leave the field till he had spoiled homer of his armour madman who had never once seen the wearer nor understood his strength him homer overthrew horse and man to the ground there to be trampled and choked in the dirt then with a long spear he slew denham a stout modern who from his father's side derived his lineage from apollo but his mother was of mortal race he fell and bit the earth the celestial part apollo took and made it a star but the terrestrial lay wallowing upon the ground then homer slew sam wesley with a kick of his horse's heel he took peralt by mighty force out of his saddle then hurled him at fontenelle with the same blow dashing out both their brains on the left wing of the horse virgil appeared 
in shining armor and completely fitted to his body he was mounted on a dapple gray steed the slowness of whose pace was an effect of the highest mettle and vigor he cast his eye on the adverse wing with a desire to find an object worthy of his valor when behold upon a sorrel gelding of a monstrous size appeared a foe issuing from among the thickets of an enemy's squadrons but his speed was less than his nose for his horse old and lean spent the dregs of his strength in a high trot which though it made slow advances yet caused a loud clashing of his armour terrible to hear the two cavaliers had now approached within the throw of a lance when the stranger desired a parley and lifting up the visor of his helmet a face hardly appeared from within which after a pause was known for that of the renowned dryden the brave ancients suddenly started as one possessed with surprise and disappointment together for the helmet was nine times too large for the head which appeared situate far in the hinder part even like the lady in a lobster or like a mouse under a canopy of state or like a shrivelled bow from within the penthouse of a modern periwig and the voice was suited to the visage sounded weak and remote dryden in a long range soothed up the ancient called him father and by a large deduction of genealogies made it plainly appear that they were nearly related then he humbly proposed an exchange of armour as a lasting mark of hospitality between them virgil consented for the goddess defendants came unseen and cast a mist before his eyes though his was of gold and cost a hundred beeves the others but of rusty iron however this glittering armour became the modern yet worse than his own then they agreed to exchange horses but when it came to the trial dryden was afraid and utterly unable to mount alter hiatus in ms lucen appeared upon a fiery horse of admirable shape but headstrong bearing the rider where he list over the field he made a mighty slaughter among the enemy's horse which destruction to stop blackmore a famous modern but one of the mercenaries strenuously opposed himself and darted his javelin with a strong hand which falling short of its mark struck deep in the earth then loosened through a lance but aesculapius came unseen and turned off the point brave modern said lucen i perceive some god protects you for never did my arm so deceive me before but what mortal can contend with a god therefore let us fight no longer but present gifts to each other lucen then bestowed on the modern a pair of spurs and blackmore gave lucen a bridle haka descend creech but the goddess dullness took a cloud formed it into the shape of horse armed and mounted and placed in a flying posture before him glad was the cavalier to begin a combat with a flying foe and pursued the image threatening aloud till at last it led him to the peaceful bower of his father ogilby by whom he was disarmed and assigned to his repose then pinder slew and and oldham and aphra the amazon lighterfoot never advancing in a direct line but wheeling with incredible agility and force 
he made a terrible slaughter among the enemy's light horse him when cowley observed his generous heart burnt within him and he advanced against the fierce ancient imitating his address his pace and career as well as the vigour of his horse and his own skill would allow when the two cavaliers had approached within the length of three javelins first cowley threw a lance which missed pindar and passing into the enemy's ranks fell intellectual to the ground then pindar darted a javelin so large and weighty that scarce a dozen cavaliers as cavaliers in our degenerate days could raise it from the ground yet he threw it with ease and it went by an unerring hand singing through the air nor could the moderns have avoided present death if he had not luckily opposed the shield that had been given him by venus and now both heroes drew their swords but the moderns was so aghast and disordered that he knew not where he was his shield dropped from his hands thrice he fled and thrice he could not escape at last he turned and lifting up his hand in the posture of a suppliant godlike pindar he said spare my life and possess my horse with these arms beside the ransom which my friends will give when they hear i am alive and your prisoner dog said pinder let your ransom stay with you friends but your carcass shall be left for the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field with that he raised his sword and with a mighty stroke cleft the wretched modern in twain the sword pursuing the blow and one half lay panting on the ground to be trodden pieces by the horse's feet the other half was borne by the frightened steed through the field this venus took washed it seven times in ambrosia then struck it thrice with a sprig of amaranth upon which the leather grow round and soft and the leaves turned into feathers and being gilded before continued gilded still so it became a dove and she harnessed it to her chariot itus valdi d flindus in m s end of section two read by elijah fisher